Welcome everyone to another episode of the podcast. Really quick housekeeping as usual. Uh, make sure you follow me on Instagram, Felix.Levine, my YouTube channel. Uh, really want to continue to push content out there. And of course, always let me know uh, ways in which I can improve the show. If there's content you want to see, guests you want to see. Um, you know, I'm really trying to, to work on things in the upcoming year to, to make this a better experience. So I want to hear from you guys. So please feel free to reach out um, wherever that may be on Instagram DMs or my email, WTG at gmail.com. You can find that actually on my website easily directly there. So please feel free to, to reach out and do not hesitate. And my guest today, he is one of the best featherweight MMA fighters in the world. Uh, he's been out for a couple of years because no one wants to fight him. He previously fought in a host of different promotions, but now he has a fight on Sunday, November 7th that'll hopefully catapult him back into one of those top promotions. Please welcome Andre Harrison. Live, Andre Harrison. Good to uh, good to have you on my show. And uh, night. Oh, you look and you're looking jacked right now. Nice to nice to meet you and nice to have you on my show. Thank you for uh, for taking the time, man. Thank you guys for having me on. So I told yeah. you a few seconds ago. You got any any hidden secrets for us? Hidden talents? Hidden childhood stories? Hidden weird things about you? I have a lot, and hopefully we'll uncover some of them uh, during the interview. But. Funny enough, and you know, people don't usually find this out until it's too late. But I am one of the best spades players on the planet. You know? Really? So I play, <laughs> I play spades online pretty much all day long. <laughs> and um, one of my favorite things to do is talk shit to like people playing spades. Like it's, I talk so much shit. Like wait, so I, I don't even know anything about playing spades, honestly. So. When you're when you're playing online, like it's like live where you can like do you chat shit to them or do you like actually yeah. like speak to them? So one of the common rules in spades is you're not allowed to talk across the board. So if me and you were playing, me and you would be partners, and there'd be two other people that are sitting across from each other, and they're partners. So I'm not allowed to give you any hints or suggestions on what I may have, right? But I can talk shit to the other two players, and that's where like. There was this dude the other day. I threw him completely off his game, and he, like, lost in, like, the first hand. And I was just torturing him for the next two hands. It was bad. Wait, so when you're playing on – but when you're – when you're when you're like, is it is it on Zoom? Is it – how is it – Yeah, so they changed the app that I have, the Spades app, to where you can literally see them. So just like how you can see me and I can see you right now, you can see all the people that's playing, and you can talk to everybody. But everybody knows, you know, you can't talk to the person across the table or whatever. But, I mean, I legitimately, I'm on there torturing people all, but so, all day long. So what are you, like, what are you saying to them? <laughs> oh, all type of shit. I'm like, bro, you in a straight jacket. You stuck right now. You don't even know. You don't even know. Like, t- I torture people. What's the, what's the worst thing you ever said? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just freelance it, but it... It's usually pretty creative. One one of these days, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do a screen record, and I'm a, and I'm gonna put it up on IG. And I'm gonna tag you guys so you can see how funny it is. <laughs> Wait, are you the, so you're the only one just chatting shit the whole time? Sometimes you'll you'll get you know sometimes you'll get somebody they'll try and talk shit back. But like I tell you, the bad part is that I'm like 137 and like four, you know. So it's like. They they try and talk shit back, but then they're like, "Fuck this dude, he, he got a one." Wait, so when you, so when you're playing, um, you play for money. I wish, if you play space for money, I'd I'd be <laughs> I'd be in a mansion right now. I, <laughs> so then, wait, so how? So you say you play like you play that much, like you play daily? Yeah, I play daily. Yeah, and I you, play right before we got on the call. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you're like in your blanket, like you look like you're ready to talk this shit. A for fight it. blanket. Blanket too. What's the what's the oh there you go. That's uh when I won uh one of the Ring of Combat titles. Uh this right here being Desi Green. Got a whole bunch of stuff. That's... First fight at MSG. Me and Popo Pizarro. 
Fight blanket. <laughs> Who made you that fight blanket? That's kind of sick. Damn. Um. So, well, that's a, that's a good one. I like that one. That's a that's got to be an all timer, right? Um. So you got a fight coming up, shit, in uh, in exactly a week. Um, yeah. And it's uh and it's been a little bit of time since you've been obviously uh, that you've had a fight, and I want to talk about that. But I heard I heard a recent interview you said that, um, and this is where I, I I think I got it mixed up. I thought you were injured, but apparently you haven't really been that injured. It's just people just don't want to fight you. I I wasn't injured at all for the last two years, at all. Nothing. I mean, sore and shit like that from training, but no injury. Legitimately, every single promotion, we went to all different types of promotions. And they'd be like, yeah, we can get you ready to fight. That's no problem at all. And then they would start asking people, and people were like, no, 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 And I'm like, you know, at one point in time, it was like, I was talking to my, I was talking to my trainer. I'm like, I've never seen nothing like this before. Like, I could understand if I was like just, people like knocking people out cold every single fight it's like it's not that you know like i'm fucking like i'm good i'm not that fight you know what i mean like come on. but just saying no left right and center but do you think it's like what do you think is the is the real reason i mean i think it's i mean you got a good record obviously you fought some tough ass guys and i feel like on the regional circuit like mostly when they're on the regionals they're trying to work their way up but when they're gonna come in front of you, it's not like you're not like this, you know, new guy on the scene. Like they're probably not gonna win. So that that's exactly what I, me personally, that's what I think it is. I think it's too much risk and not enough reward. So like we were fighting in the UFC and we were fighting for solid money, a different promotion, CFL, Bellator, whatever. And we were fighting, you know, fifty and fifty. You know, well then it makes sense, you know, to fight. But to fight being you're only getting paid twenty five hundred or something like that, then it's like, well, there's no point. If I had to choose between fighting, you know, me or fight somebody that's, you know, eleven and eight, then you're gonna pick the eleven and eight guy, you know. Now so I get it, but it sucks for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now for you, you're so you're thirty three now? Yeah. Do you feel like you're you're in that prime of your career? Yeah, I do feel really good, man. Um, you know, certain shit like uh like I know and understand like as I'm getting older and I do have to take time and actually warm up and shit like that, make sure I'm eating properly and drinking properly, otherwise I'll feel worse. I think like I remember back when I was in high school or college, you can, you know, run from talking trash to some girls in the hallways and run straight into the gym and get into a live session. And be a okay. If I did that now, I'd end up in the hospital. I gotta, I gotta warm up first and <laughs> take my time. But um, definitely, I do feel like, as far as like my vision with seeing certain things and understanding the fight, I definitely feel like it's at a peak right now. Do you feel like, like, do you feel like a veteran? Because when I mean, when if someone looks at your record, which is precisely what I did, um, you, I mean, you look like you fought some some bad motherfuckers. You went, you know, I mean, you had that you had that draw with Movlid, who just won the the featherweight title and won his millie. I know that probably still, you know, probably still get tight about that. But um, you know, I mean, you fought like the creme of the creme of really really good fighters in the world. Um, and you're 33, so, but like you know, you're still young. You're still in your in your physical prime. I mean, do you feel kind of more like a vet, or do you still feel like you know, you're on the way up. Where are you? Where do you gauge where you're at in your career? Um, I don't think I feel either. Um, I, I feel like I I establish myself like anybody that goes to fight me now know that they're getting ready to get into a legit fight. Like I don't feel like anybody would look at me and be like, "Oh, this is a walk in the park." Or, Who is this guy? Type of deal. But I don't think like I'm a veteran, like a gatekeeper, where it's like I. You know, he's at the end of his career, you know, taking that year, you know. Uh, I'm in that in-between realm. Something really, really special could happen or uh, something really disastrous can happen, you know. I guess that's the part of the excitement of waiting to see what happens next week, Sunday. So you fight on Sunday. Um, do you know anything about your opponent? I know he's a tough guy. I think he had like 21 fights as well, uh, 14 and 7. Um 
I, I remember in one fight he like made it apparent that he was going to take the person down. In another fight he made it apparent that he was going to strike. So he's pretty well rounded as well. Um, but you know, I just I just know who I am. So I'm not really focusing on that. I'm just focusing on myself and you know bringing you you know I was talking to my manager the other day and um, one of the things that I absolutely hate doing is watching my old fights. To the point where I don't do it. So the other day while I was running my friends, I made I forced myself to sit down and watch, you know. So I watched um, my first loss ever with Lance Palmer. And uh, I watched my my loss with uh, Alex Jilpin. I watched the draw with Mowgli. I'm sitting up there and I'm watching these fights and I'm like, you know, I'm so much better than what I've shown, like even some of the wins, like I watched Peter Petty, uh, the fight with him and uh, Alex Alexander Rodriguez, like a lot of those, like, I'm like, I'm so much better than that. And I'm like trying to figure out like, what was I thinking at that point during the fight that I would push forward or press forward and like frustrated me. And I was like, look, maybe I needed that type of frustration because if it's one thing that, you know, all the critics and everybody would say about me that, you know, I kind of like coast through the wins, right? So I have 20, what, four fights now? I'm 21, two, and one, right? I have 24 fights. And for me to win 21 fights badly is kind of incredible. It's, it's kind of crazy. So it's like, well, what's going to happen now if I decide that, all right, well, now I'll leave everything in. Yeah. I'm- There'll be some interesting shit to watch. Yeah, I mean, for you, like, when you when you gauge that, is it, like what? What do you think it is? Like, it, do you think um, it's lack of volume? Do you think it's um, you just feel like you're winning in those moments? Like, why? What do you What do you gauge as the as the the, the discrepancy between how good you actually are and what you're showing in these fights? Well, one, um, I do know what I'm capable. Of. Like, I've 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 went with some of the best fighters in the world. You know. Um, so for example, part of, part of my training for this camp, I trained with um, Shane Burgos, Julio Arce. Uh, Shane Burgos is ranked top 14, top 15 at my weight. You know, I remember sparring with Dennis Bermudez when he was ranked top 10, top 5 at my weight class. You know, Sean Soriano, I did, I sparred with um, Michael Chandler's, you know, this camp as well. Like Gregory Gillespie, all these guys that are ranked, you know, top 10 in the world. I go with these guys, like not 10, you know, five years ago, like within the last month or two. So I know fully well what I'm capable of doing, you know, and I don't know, I don't know if it's just me being conservative or, you know, whatever, but um, that's a no-go, man. That's, that is a no-go. You know when you're when you're training with guys like Shane and, and Julio. Shout out to Shane. That those are those are my guys. Um, and he's fighting next oh, week yeah. at, at the Garden. Um, yeah. like, do you feel is is there part of you that feels like damn like, you know, I could be I could be top fourteen, top ten in the in the UFC. Like, is that is that something that because because when you look at the skills on paper, like there's no reason you couldn't. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. especially when you if people look look back at those fights and I was watching the Movlid fight last night. I mean especially because I just watched Movlet on Wednesday win his million, and I see you in there win two of the three rounds against him. Obviously, that first round was didn't go your way, but it's just kind of like, damn, like, you're right there with them. Yo, so and I, I know I mentioned this in a different interview, but I'll just say it again right here. You know, in that Mobley fight, in that first round, um, he threw like a right hand and a spinning hook kick. I had my hand up, but he threw that spinning hook kick. He actually stumbled back after it. He threw that shit so hard, and his heel rammed into my hand. And, um, like, I don't remember anything from that point in the first round till the next thing I remember was um, was um, the, the, the ring doctor saying, sir, step to me. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, like, did I just get finished? Like, and then... Um, so my trainer, you know, he's usually like cussing and, you know, getting me to like trying to motivate me to like push myself. And um, he this is the first time in 20 something fights. He was like, Dre, I, 
are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. Like, what do you mean? He's like, no, Dre, I'm being serious. Are you okay? And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I I got beat up in that first round. And um, so I was like, all right. You know, that first round is done and over with. And I was like, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out here and uh, I'm going to give it hell. I just want to land one or two shots so that Mobley know that he was in a fight. And um, I went out there and I'm, you know, I'm stepping forward, I'm moving forward. And then I end up hitting that, that three, two and that two rocked him. And that changed yeah. the tide of the fight, you know, but it was like, you know, that was a, that was a crazy fight. And I still, to, you know, maybe I'm being biased, but I felt like that fight was the best fight, not of the night, but of the season for PFL. And I, you know, I, Think it was only I think it would only be fair to see who would win, you know, instead of just leaving it as a draw. The same way I think, you know, with Palmer, you know, I won one, he won one, you know. It's only fair to see who would win. Is there like do you think um, you know, for you, assuming you get a, a victory on Sunday, obviously you can't look past that, but assuming that that were would be the case, um, you know, is it is it one of the major promotions after for you or nothing? Um I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, you for know, I get like, I don't really like look. It it's, could be a possibility. I wouldn't even know if it was or wasn't because I get so tunnel vision on the task at hand right. that, you know, I don't really worry about whether I'd be going there, going to Beltor or the UFC or whatever. Uh, you know, I just want to make sure I get out there and, you know, really, like I told you, I watched a lot of my old fights, you know, and I got a lot of five rounders too, man. So that's a lot of fight footage to go through. So I watched all of it. I'm sitting up there and I'm like, yo, it just, like, I know I could be doing so much more and I, I plan on doing so much more, you know, this weekend coming. What does so much more look like to you? Is it, you know, just more showing off your, your ground game, your stand? Like, what mm -hmm. does that look like to you? <sighs> I think you just got to tune in on Sunday to see. I don't even know if you could really put that in words. Like, I don't know if there's verbiage for that, you know, because I like, I know, like I can strike, you know, it's yeah. not just takedowns and hold people. You know what I mean? Like I can strike. I do enjoy striking too. Like, you know, and I can grapple as well. Like, you know, like I, I, Greg Gillespie is one of my one of my best friends, right? And um, I remember a person asked me because we had just got done sparring, and I had took them down several times throughout the round. And it was like, well, what's the difference between you know you and Gregor's grappling game? And I was like, well, Gregor is amazing. If he gets on top of you, it's a nightmare to get him off of you. I was like, but probably the difference is that. If I take you down, you know, and you were squirming and fighting or whatever to get up, you know, I'm more likely to let a person come up and start striking with them or go to take them down again. Greg is not letting anybody ever. Like, if he can stay on top of you for a full 24 hours, he would. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that fucking psycho is not letting anybody not, up. Yeah, he, he's, he's, a, he's a certified psycho. Um, but, but for you, like, do you think in that difference... Like, is that, do you want to be more like Gregor in that sense moving forward? Is that something that, um, cause bro, those, those, those guys that blanket you, like when they wrestle, I mean, you see all the Dagestanis, like it's just, yeah. it's hell and it looks so dominant to a certain extent. Yes. Um, I, like there are times when I was watching where I would hold position, whereas I should or could be advancing position, be it ground and pound elbows or looking for the finish, like, you know, uh, certain submissions or whatever, like I should be advancing those positions. And I think that's a huge difference, you know? So, so a little bit less on the, the martial arts side, I'm curious just about you as an individual, like growing up, did you, was fighting in the, in the cards for you or did that come at a later age? No, I never thought I was going to be a fighter. What, what did you think you were going to um, do? I wanted to be a lawyer. Really? I wanted to be a lawyer. So I went, um, I wrestled at uh, Nassau Community College for two years. And then I went 
uh, one day I get a call from Paul Smith. He's like, Dre, a college from Kansas called, you know, about you going on a visit. I'm like, Kansas? The hell they got in Kansas? He was like, shit, I don't know. <laughs> so in my mind, I'm picturing like tumbleweeds going across can- campus and like all that other stuff. And, um, and um, I go out there because I went a couple different places. I went to North Carolina. I went to Pembroke. I went to NC State. A couple different places I checked out, but Kansas, they actually offered me the most money. They offered me three years of a scholarship instead of two. So that was my big decision maker there, right? So I go to Kansas now and I'm wrestling and, you know, I, I'm going through my law classes. Like, I was doing really well, right? I think at that time I had maybe like a 3.4, 3.6 GPA. And then um, one of my friends, JT Hudson, he was like, yo, you know, he was only on the wrestling team to become a better fighter. And uh, he was, I think, the featherweight champion in a promotion called No Mercy Extreme. And real quick, so, it, Kansas is D1, yeah? Or for wrestling as well? Division 2. D2, okay. I went, yeah. So I went and um, I'm wrestling with, uh, with, with him to help him get better for fighting. And I kind of liked it. I was like, I kind of like this fighting stuff, man. And it, you know, the more I did it, the more I didn't realize, like, how engulfed. Like, I went and I bought boxing gloves, shin guards. I was finding which gyms over there I can train at. And, you know, b- before I know it, I was hooked. You know, I didn't even realize it. Did you, as a kid, like, was did you ever get into fights? Like, did you, is that yeah, a thing? We got, yeah, we got to plenty of fights. So, um. We we actually even had this thing where we would call it like backyard brawls. We'd buy a couple sets of boxing gloves, and everybody would get back there and you you know scrap and do stupid stuff. Like we had all kinds of stuff, but it still never like dawned on me that I would fight. Like I I'm a a natural born competitor like that. Like I won't even let my daughter beat me in Uno. Like like it's bad. Like goddamn, how like, old your, how old's your daughter? She's nine now. Come on, right? man. So, like, you could let her beat you in Uno a few times. Oh, not a chance in hell. <laughs> so one day, one time we was playing, um, we were playing uh, Monopoly, and and I'm like buying up all the pieces on the board. And my daughter's like super cheap; like she doesn't even want to spend Monopoly money. Like that's how cheap she is. So I'm buying up all these pieces on the board, and every time she lands on one of my properties, I'm like, "Yo, give me my money!" And she's like, "Seriously, Daddy?" I'm like, "Yo, give me my money!" Like I ain't playing with you, yo. She had like a hundred dollars left and she starts crying. She's like crying. Like, this not fair. Like, I don't have no more. Wait, money. pause, I'm pause, pause, pause. But is she not buying up properties herself? You gotta you did you not you definitely didn't explain her the rules the right way then. I did. I told her, I was like, yo, you gotta try and buy some of these businesses. That way if anybody comes on your business, they either gotta pay you or you know, maybe you maybe you sell your your business to them and they'll make more money. But you know, the goal is to own as much stuff as you can. <laughs> but she's so cheap that she don't want to see any money leaving her. Why is she so cheap? Is that your gene or someone or your or her mother's her gene? Mom. That's really? her mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how like so me and her mom we're not together, but we're still cool or whatever. So um Anything, you know, I know when it's going to be a bad combo right out the gate. I get a call and it'd be like, so let me tell you what your daughter did. I'm like, right. <laughs> I know what she did. What, je- what jeans does she have from you? For me? Uh, she, she is, she's naturally strong and fast and all that other stuff. So, but her mom ran track. So we argue over which, where the athletics came from. I'm like, man, you. Yeah. <laughs> You know, because she used to always t- tell me, like, you know, she's athletic because she run track or whatever. But we raced, and I beat her all three races. Like I told you, extreme competitor, like, <laughs> extreme. <laughs> there was no way. I would have blew a hamstring and bear crawled across the line before I let her beat me in that race. Like, it was not going to happen. Ah, uh, damn. Man, you got to I, – I, I'm convinced that you still haven't taught your, your daughter properly how to play Monopoly, and you just want to get that edge yeah. over her. And it hits her, but even better. So she was like, I don't want to play Monopoly anymore. Let's play checkers. I said, you sure you want to play checkers? <laughs> yo, I beat her so bad in checkers. She was sitting up there crying. I'm like, yo. So them tears ain't got nothing to do with me, child. I don't care nothing about that. <laughs> beat her senseless in checkers. Has she, ever be- has she beat you at anything? Huh? Has she beat you at any game? No, I won't let her beat me at anything. <laughs> nothing. 
<laughs> Nothing at all. I can't wait for your daughter to to grow up, understand better how to how to play these games, and then just destroy you when you're when you're older. I won't play at that point in time. <laughs> oh, you're that kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so like one of my one of my good good friends, right? His name is Laron. His son is like a wrestling phenom. Okay. Like the kid's insane. Actually, he's just an amazing athlete because he's equally or even better at football. And so, I, but he's like nine to ten. Right. When we sit up there, we're wrestling. I told him from the time he turns 12 years old, if he put his hands on me, I'm calling the cops. I said, we're not wrestling anymore. Leave me alone with my W's and let me rock out. But I'm not, I'm not wrestling. When he turned 12, I'm not wrestling no more. Damn. So you've always been competitive ever since you were, ever since you were a kid. Always. Yeah. I grew up when I was growing up, it was me and, uh, you know, my two older brothers and then we eventually got my two younger brothers in the house, but it was all boys in there. He had no choice but to be competitive. So it was five. So it was five boys. Yeah, and then I got my two older sisters. Jesus Christ! So it's seven from uh, from both your both your parents, same same marriage. Um, no. So I'm the only product of my mom and my my dad. Okay. But then you know, you know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you grew up in you grew up in New York, yeah. Yeah, um, Brooklyn, New York. Where at uh, in Brooklyn? Well, Brooklyn, um, East New York. Okay, we're uh, yes. we're, we're recording out here in Brooklyn now. So next time you're in Brooklyn, you got to pop out to the studio. Yeah, so grew up in East New York. I think originally we were on Church and Flatbush, and then um, then we moved to uh, on Van Sickle. But I went to Freeport schools though. Okay. We moved to Long Island when um when I was in middle school. What were what were what were you like as a kid? I mean, were you you know full of life, energetic, um, not like that, a menace? <laughs> I feel like you were kind I of. A, I feel like you had to be a little bit of a menace. I wasn't necessarily like a bad kid, but I would do like stupid shit, like you know, like real stupid. Like I give you an example. Me and my older brother got wrestling soul. Um. We used to do, he's two years older than me, and he, we used to do some stupid shit. Like, I remember one time, my mom was, like, in a real bad mood before she went to work. So we figured, all right, you know, before, you know, she come home, we should do something nice. But should we clean up the house? Nah, nah, we shouldn't do that. We should paint the closet yellow, all right? So we go and we paint the closet completely yellow. Now, mind you, there's no light in there, so we're painting in the dark, and we took no clothes out of the closet. So everything's still in the closet. So my mom comes home and says, Mom, close your eyes, close your eyes. <laughs> so we brought her over to the closet. It was like, yo, um, you know, ta-da. <laughs> yo, when she flipped on the light and seen yellow paint over everything, all the suits, the I shoes, hope she beat. I hope she beat the shit out of you. Um, the, what ha- You know, certain things you can't say in this day and age because <laughs> it ain't PC, but, you know, we were, we were on punishment. We were on a severe punishment. <laughs> No, 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 I, no, no, no! Fuck the PC. I hope that she, I hope she beat the shit out of you. <laughs> no, she did. She whooped her ass, man. That shit was bad. I was like, I ain't never doing nothing nice again, ever. <laughs> did you ever think? Did you ever think about the fact that you could like be like painting the clothes by accident or that? You know? It never crossed my mind. I thought I was doing such. A great job like there was no paint anywhere like you couldn't tell me i was doing a bad job i took my time like Damn. paint everywhere <laughs> so you were so you had so you were legitimately surprised when she was upset yo because <laughs> when she cut on the light and i seen like how bad of a paint job we did like we probably painted everything but the walls like, all over the clothes everything so like you know and again, it was just my mom, but like I said, it was seven kids. So, you know, buying suits and all that, it, you know, wasn't having to dish out two entirely new wardrobes wasn't in the uh, budget that month. <laughs> so she was actually upset. And for you, I mean, what's like one of the, you know, maybe the, the, the biggest things that you learned from growing up, especially with, the, with a large family, so many brothers and sisters, um, you know, I don't know how that how that shaped you. Hmm. Man, you know, as I look back at certain things, man, one from all the dumb shit that I did and the whoopings I got, 
And then two, my older brother. So my mother, she she was she would uh, work nights sometimes, right? She's a, she's a nurse. And when she would get ready to leave, my two older brothers would look over at me and they'd be like, as soon as she's gone, it, it's over for you. And they would like beat me up. And it was to the point where it was like, yo, why are you guys even still doing this? Like, is it, it can't still be fun for you guys. So like all of that, it's like, it's probably wasn't, I probably only was going to be a fighter because like, you guys been trying to beat me up my whole life, man. But, um, things you learn from a huge family, uh, well, you have to learn how to share and all of that other stuff. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I never really thought about that. I don't know. Do you look back on your childhood and, um, you know, is it good memories for the most part? I mean, or difficult or what, you know, what, what are some of those moments that you feel like shaped who you are today? Oh, man. Um, well, first off, to answer the original question, yeah. Um, I do think that I had a great life and I was fortunate, even though like it was my mom, you know, pretty much by herself for the most part. Um, she did one hell of a job. You know, She's crazy, too. Like people meet me and they think I'm crazy. I'm like, no, nah, I came from somewhere, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, she she definitely with the cards that she was dealt, she she definitely did one hell of a job, you know, and um, I remember one time. When I was in school, I hated, I hated reading, hate with a passion. But like, I guess more so because I wasn't reading for enjoyment or for understanding. I think now I do a little bit more. So like, um, I read this uh, book called Tipping Points by Malcolm Gladwell. And it made me think about exactly what you're talking about, right? And so one of my like most fondest memories that I have, um, I was, maybe I was in, I was in eighth grade, right? And we went to go wrestle in um, the Fargo National Duels, right? Uh, no, the, the qualifiers to go to Fargo. And I had just won the Greco-Roman State Tournament, so I was, I was pumped. You couldn't tell me anything. It was like a certified guarantee that I was getting ready to go out there and win the Freestyle State Tournament because, I, I mean, obviously I just dominated the Greco one, right? I go out there against this guy that had all X's next to his name in the brackets. That means he either teched or pinned everybody he wrestled, right? So I'm wrestling this guy and he is literally stronger than I am, faster than I, he's just better than I am at that point, right? And I'm, I'm beaten, I'm hanging my head low. You know how kids look when they, they're not doing well at something. And my coach is screaming at me, Steve Whelan, screaming at me, Andre, Andre, Andre. So I'm like, what, you know? And he was like, as long as there's still time on the clock, you still got a chance to make something happen. So I'm like, yo, is this dude crazy? Because clearly he hasn't been watching the match. I've been getting beat in every position for the last six minutes. You're going to tell me in the last 11 seconds, I'm going to be able to score three points on this dude. I, I couldn't get three points the whole match. So out of, out of being like a little, uh, out of being just a pure brat, I was like, I'm going to shoot as hard as I can as soon as the whistle blows to prove to him that he's wrong because clearly he doesn't know what he's talking about. I shot on the whistle. I got in super deep, and I started running. I started to feel his body go, and I was like, oh, shit, I'm getting this takedown. So I knew that I needed a takedown and a turn in order to score the points that I needed to get into overtime, so I did. I turned them as we were going down. Three points, we go into overtime. So now I'm like, you know, now I'm like, I got the momentum going and he shoots, I shoot, he shoots, I shoot. We're like both busted up and and I ended up spinning around and, and getting my points and I win the match and I go on to win the Freestyle State Tournament. And that was like one of the tipping points for me because it, it was one of those things where it was like, yo, he generally right. Like if you are trying or whatever and you're working hard, like good things can happen. Will it always happen? Obviously not. Life, the world isn't perfect. But if you, I mean, if you put everything in there, man, good things usually will happen. 
And now we're just going to take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime sponsor in U.S. Wellness Meats. At uswellnessmeats.com, you can choose from over 350 foods raised the way nature intended. That includes 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, lamb, bison, elk, and dairy. They also have pasture-raised heritage pork, wild-caught seafood, and pasture-raised poultry. These are some of the host of foods that you can find at uswellnessmeats.com where the owners are the actual farmers themselves. And now they've introduced a subscription food delivery service and curated sample farm bundles. Choose the bundle of food you want to receive every month and they'll deliver it right to your door automatically. It's never been easier to serve your family real, honest-to-goodness food without the junk. U.S. Wellness Meats is the choice of championship sports teams, professional athletes, chefs, world-class trainers, and families just like yours all over America. Use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to save 15% off of every order at uswellnessmeats.com. Now let's get back into it. Yeah, I mean, I love that story um, for so many reasons because, you know, it's also like who knows what would have happened if you had just hung your head and then you lose the match and then maybe like, you know, that that couples into your next few performances and then you're, you know, you're dissuaded from wrestling or, you know, you don't, I mean, who knows? But yeah, it's one of those moments that, uh, and so how, so you're, you were in eighth grade at that point? I was in eighth grade. Damn. And you start, yeah. so you started wrestling at how old? I started wrestling in seventh grade. Seventh grade, okay. And you won, yeah. and you were you were a New York State champion for Greco. Greco and freestyle, yeah. Wow. So you, so, I mean, you knew early on into doing it that you were good. Um, I, I don't, I don't think I ever really thought that I was good because yo, when I mean, I used to get beat up in the room, man. There was this dude that uh, was his name, uh, Keith Mitchell. He was like a senior, but he was at the weight class right above me. And he used to beat me up so bad. I mean, he was like extremely technically sound, right? And, um, you know, my freshman year in high school, the guy that was at the weight class that I was at, I ended up beating him taking the spot, you know, for varsity. So me and Keith, by default, were workout partners. And he would beat me up every single day, man. It was like, I think I scored on him, I think, six times that entire year, you know? And, um, you know, I was like, damn, man, like, there's really is levels to it. And then I remember watching Keith, as good as he was, not win the counties um, that year. And, um, you know, it, it, it just, it was just a thing where it was like, yo, no matter how good you are, there's a chance that if you don't perform well, you still won't win. You know, and then when I won the counties and then I got into the state tournament, um, you know, I thought I went to the state tournament. I, I ended up losing by one point to um, to a guy and he ended up winning it. So it was like, it was like, you know, I don't think I ever really got to like jump over that threshold in wrestling as much as I would have liked to. You know, like I all American a couple times in college and stuff like that. But even that to me was wasn't a good scenario because um, I went into nationals uh, that junior year ranked uh, number one in the country. Damn, damn. You know, so I wrestled like I beat a whole bunch of Division One guys and D two and D three and NAIA. I beat a whole bunch of those guys in some of the tournaments we went into, and um, when there was a guy from Nebraska. He was ranked number one. He won it the year before and I wrestled him and I beat him in overtime. Right. So like I, I was the number one guy. And one of the guys that I tortured during the year in a, in a in national duels, I beat him five zero or six one or something like that. He ends up beating me during the uh, national tournament um, by one point because I tried something stupid in overtime and um and he wins the tournament. So I was like, yeah, All-American a couple times, but that still isn't success because I beat the guy that won it. You know what I mean? Like, I was there. How do you, generally speaking, kind of measure your own success, especially, you know, now? Is it is it the fighting? Is it money? Is it, I mean, what what's that like for you? I mean, I think it all has to pay a little bit of a toll in there. Um money and you know if if you win a whole bunch of fights and you know you can't pay your rent then can you really call yourself successful if you you know and 
on the same, if you're paying everything, but you're getting, you know, hospitalized every other month, every couple months when you fight, can you call yourself successful then? So I think it's a, it's a combination of everything. But don't you think you that's, know, cr- don't um, you think that's crazy though? That like you're a professional fighter and even, and that's so interesting to me, like to have that thought about if you're getting hospitalized, like, are you, you know, it's crazy. Like you're literally like the job is being in a cage fight with another grown man trying to absolutely mm-hmm. put you out unconscious. So like going mm-hmm. to the hospital is obviously a, a fair uh, thing that happens to many fighters frequently. But like, don't you think it's such a, it's such a, I mean, you guys are psychopaths when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit of that, a little bit of a competitor. I mean, I think it all, you know, I mean, like like last night I was watching the fights and they said that fighting is the one thing that translates across any language, any mm-hmm. culture, you know, and I would even go, you know, any generation, like, you know, uh, during the pandemic, I read a lot on theologies and all this other different stuff. But like, if, it, if you go as far back as, as this documentation, there's always been, you know, combat, always. You know, and the best competitors typically get the best things. So, I mean, this has always been uh, a part of human nature. You know what I mean? But at the same time, though, I agree with that. And I think that there's, you know, for I think some people are born fighters. I think some people become fighters. I think some people are just don't have it in them. Like, I would say for myself, I don't, I don't have it in me, at least at this moment in time. But I think that also it is developed to a I mean, we're at a point with, at least with mixed martial arts, where it's like, this is a sport and you guys should be rewarded. And I think that for me, it always breaks my heart. You know, I have a lot of um, fighters that have come on my show and a lot of fighters that, you know, those people become my friends. And it's like, I don't believe that they should be, you know, having to work second and third jobs to Mm -hmm. be a professional fighter. Like you guys go in there and risk your lives. Like you go Mm -hmm. in there, like even the story you're telling me about when you took that knee from Movlid, not remembering that, like that, that's scary shit. You know what I mean? And I mm-hmm. think that like, I don't know, you know, I think that you guys are so, I mean, you guys are obviously so brave because we see you guys so brave in there, but it's like, it's the outside stuff that I'm always curious about. And that's why I love hearing about even like random stories from your life. It's just like, you realize that you're, you, you, you enjoy playing Uno with your daughter just as much as the regular guy on the street enjoys playing Uno with their daughter. Now, maybe they might mm-hmm. let their daughter win, but at, <laughs> but at the same time though, you put so much, I mean, you put your life on the line every single time you step in that cage. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think like, I, like I understand it's a, fans kind of run the sports because of whoever, whomever they back, you know, that's typically whom has the power, right? Um, and so for the guys that fans typically like to see are guys that go out there and just, you know, have all kinds of crazy slugfest and all that type of stuff. And it's like, yeah, I understand you want to watch it, but you know, how many like fight camps, like what do, what do you think happens in preparation for that? You know, like it doesn't even necessarily have to happen in sparring, but like think about all the miles guys have to run on cement, mm-hmm. you know, those are your joints and your ankles and your knees that are constantly pounding on the pavement. Every step, you, every step you take, every sprint you take, you know, s- stuff like that. When you grapple, what do you think happens there? You have somebody that's either choking you or manipulating a joint over and over again for an hour, hour and a half. You know, these are, we, we put our bodies through hell, man. You know, that's why I think, like you said, fighters should be compensated a lot more like you look at the NFL and the NBA and, you know, leagues like that, like the owners, I think, get any, you know, 45 percent or 40 percent of the revenue. And then the, the athletes get the, the 55 to 60 percent. Why can't it be any like you've got those guys are still filthy rich. You know, how much money does somebody actually need? You know, like you have two private jets instead of one like I, I don't you know does that ever dissuade you though as a, as a fighter that it's like that you know i mean I, I believe that one day it'll change um and you guys will be yeah. compensated but that'll be i think far past um you know your fighting time unfortunately does that ever no, dissuade does that ever dissuade you in you know in this pursuit of your profession and your passion um no uh i just 
I try not to think about it, you know, in that sense, I guess. Um, as long as as long as I'm making, you know, money to where I can, you know, pay for what I want, for what I need, then then I'm all right. You know, I, I remember watching a, a Dave Chappelle skit um, interview, not a skit. And, um, you know, he was telling his family members that he wanted to be a successful comedian. And they was like, well, what do you mean a successful comedian he was like well you're a teacher and as a teacher you make sixty thousand dollars so if i can make sixty thousand dollars doing what i love and enjoy then that would make me successful so for me like if i can make a good enough salary fighting doing what i love and because i do love the training i do love like going into the gym like for you know i'm in florida now i train with um at sanford so like going into the gym and talking shit with Michael Johnson before we spar is like that shit like that is fun for me. You know, talking shit with Sean Soriano or after sparring sessions, you know, cracking jokes with uh, Raphael and, uh, at, you know, those are all funny stories for me. So it's like, um, you know, cycles, man. Well, I always appreciate anybody that loves what they do. And I think that that's awesome. I think, um, you know, I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited for you, you know, when, when uh, our mutual connection was so, Dave, uh, Dave Fish, shout out Dave Fish. I had him on my show. Um, is he is he manage you directly, or I know you're you're with Paradigm, yeah? Yeah, I'm with Paradigm, yeah. And he manages so you directly, to, or no? I speak with Dave, and I speak with Matt Cully. Okay, um, you know, and for people out there that are listening that aren't familiar, like Paradigm is you know one of the best sports agencies, especially in the fight game um, that there is out there. Mm -hmm. uh, at Dave is one of the best out there as well. But I think like for you, it's like. I think that when you when you look at yourself fight, you obviously have all the skills. Now it's just like, man, you know, I want to. I'm excited to see you back in there. Um, and then after this fight, we'll see what happen, what you do after. But it's like, mm -hmm. it's a, uh, it's a crazy life. And I think to 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 see to see someone love what they do and be kind of in the prime of their career is uh is exciting. And I don't know. I mean, for you, do you feel like does it? Do you feel just as excited about this fight as? As ever, do you feel like this is this is your time? This is you know your go moment. Um, after this fight, you gotta, you know, this is this is your time. You know, what's funny is I typically don't even get like I like I'm excited and I'm like super pumped, but like all those nerves and all that type of stuff don't it don't really hit me until I think wanes. So like right now, I don't feel anything. It's just like I'm normal, you know. Nothing's really whatever. I'm just like, all right, you know, fight next week. Like, you know, get these last couple pounds off or whatever. But, you know, drink my electrolytes, as you see. But what's up? What do you, what is the big motivator when you're either walking to the cage or, um, you know, you're you're in that fight? Is it your daughter? Is it? I mean, there's several. Yeah, my daughter. My daughter, like, she's at the age now where like she brags on me. So like, she'll be at school and she'll be like, you know, my daddy's famous. <laughs> no he's not yes he is youtube him like that type of whatever <laughs> you know so like that type of stuff yeah you know um but also like i generally feel like i'm i feel like when i'm on my a game i i feel like i'm a tough dude in there i feel like i know i'm one of the best featherweights on the planet mm -hmm. like hands down period like on any given day i feel like i'm one of the best featherweights on the planet and i just enjoy proving that you know, like at that time frame, I think 2018 or something, um, Martin Nugent that fights for 1FC. He sent me a, a rankings uh, at that time frame. I think I was ranked like top 17 in the world at that time frame, you know. And it was just like, you know, I don't feel like I'm falling off from there. I feel like I've gotten a lot better. So the only issue is I haven't been able to show anybody, yeah. <laughs> you know, at least show anybody where it counts. So I'm, I'm just excited, man, to go out there and really, you know, put on a nice show. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this fight card, you know, and it's going to it's going to be a dope. It's going to be a dope weekend. And now we're just going to take another quick break because I am super excited to announce that I have once again partnered up with Eat Clean Bro. As many of you longtime listeners know, I've been a fan of and worked with Eat Clean Bro in the past, and they are, in my opinion, the best freshly prepped meal company out there today. 
If you are someone like myself who perhaps isn't the best cook or has long work days and no desire to put together a meal but wants to keep a healthy and balanced diet, Eat Clean Bro is absolutely the company for you. They have delicious meals that are also incredibly healthy that include freshly prepped salmon and asparagus, shrimp, spinach, chicken, and a whole lot more. I personally like to top off my meals with their chocolate and peanut butter protein balls that are my absolute favorites. If you want to go to eatcleanbro.com today and use my promo code WTG, you'll receive 10% off of every single order. I'm not kidding when I say I really love this company and use them weekly myself. They help me maintain a steady diet and reduce the stresses and labor of putting together a good tasting, healthy meal. Go check out eatcleanbro.com today. Now let's get back into it. Before before I let you go, I'm uh, I'm curious. There was one thing you said that I didn't get to ask you um what sparked your your interest in um reading more about theology Ooh, uh, <laughs> so um man that's a very saturated question right there <laughs> so growing up i was always into like greek mythology right and um couldn't really put a finger on why but i was always into greek mythology and um, as I, I seen a show that um, pretty much showed that there's a connection between all theologies, um, you know, just different characteristics have changed. So, for example, uh, if you if you look in the Muslim faith, they'll say that Muhammad flew in on a on a winged horse. And, um, you know, he had a, a staff in his hand or whatever. And, you know, he, that's when he flew into whatever area he was flying into. If you look in Greek mythology, they'll say that Zeus flew in on a winged horse named Pegasus with his lightning rod in his hand. So it's like there's a lot of different um, similar like stories and everything. And even the, the Greek pantheon of gods, there's a... There's a African pantheon of Orishas that have, uh, you know, like uh, Shango, for example, is a deity that can wield lightning and thunder, similar to Zeus. Um, there's a, there's a, uh, what you call it, Egyptian pantheon of gods. You have Anubis, the god, the god of death, same as like you would have. Uh, <sighs> Just, you know, they're, they're all similar. I'm butchering all the names up or whatever now. But um, I started reading it, trying to figure out, well, all right, well, you know, what's what? Because um, I don't know if many people are going to want to hear this portion. They might look at me like I'm crazy. After say it, this. say it. But, this, this, this is always good. But um, you sit up there, right? Like one thing that, that kind of rubbed, played in my head was like in the Christian faith, right? So if you're a Christian, it says that the only way for you to get to heaven that you got to believe in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that he's the only, he's the way, he's everything, right? Well, what about the billions of people that did, that don't know Jesus Christ from past and present? Because there's billions of people in China that don't know him. So they could be a good person over there and not make it. Well, that, that just doesn't seem right, you know? And so I was like, let me, let me, let me read into a lot of different things and all of the different things that I've read and that I've saw and heard, and, you know, definitely, it's definitely a lot of stuff out there. You, you figure out um, touchy subjects such as politics and religion and stuff like that. People are who they are because of their parents, mm -hmm. not because they necessarily believe it. So if I'm a Republican or a Democrat, more than likely it's because my mom or dad was a Republican or a Democrat. I might not even know and understand the policies, but because I see everybody are around me that looks like me uh, liking one way, well, then naturally I'm going to be like, word, word, word. I agree. I agree. I don't want to be the one outsider in the bunch, right? That's the same thing as religion. If you grew up going and your parents are making you go to church and all this other stuff, when something happens good in your life, you're like, oh, my Lord, thank you, Jesus. And, and you start like teaching yourself to kind of like do it without even recognizing it. But meanwhile, 90% of Christians haven't even read the Bible. It makes no sense. You're putting all your faith in something that you don't even know if it's real or not. For you, is it, so what sparked exactly this, this curiosity? I'm, I'm curious. 
Was it during co- was it during COVID that you started like reading more up on this? So I've I've always read in a little bit, but I think during COVID, I'm I'm not much of a TV. Well, I wasn't. Now I'm like I got into all different type of crazy shows, but prior to I wasn't much of a of a TV watcher. So I would like look at all these different um, things and, and like all the different things that you would see is it's insane. And so then I would have like certain discussions with people and. Um, you know, because you would want to ask questions to people, right? And so, like, um, Christians, uh, the Christianity is based on for faith, right? Faith is the only language that you can speak to God to, which means I have to trust and believe in something that I'm not exactly sure. Well, there's a different terminology called Gnosticism. Gnostics, they believe what they know and what they can prove, right? So those two kind of, like, clash, right? And so you sit up there and, and like, you, you kind of try and like figure out like, well, what's what for you? You know what I mean? Do you want to just go believe something because you want to trust that there's better out there or you want to believe something because you know and you can prove that it's out there? And once you start asking those kind of questions, well, then it takes you down all different types of rabbit holes. Are you, are you on a mission to, to prove? Um... I'm just on a mission to learn. Mm-hmm. I'm just on a I enjoy learning and all that other stuff. Although, like I told you, I'm very competitive. So when somebody believes something so strongly in one direction, and I'm like, are you sure? Because that's not what it says. You would have been great on like uh, one of those debate teams in college. Oh, I would have crushed it. Yeah. <laughs> I would have crushed yeah. it. And as, as you yeah. say, you would, have, you would have tortured those poor, those poor kids that are already trembling oh, when yeah. they're speaking. Oh yeah, like I, I torture people now. Whenever we have those kind of, whenever we have those uncomfortable uh, discussions, be it politics and uh, religions and all of that, I, uh, I torture people now. Now I'm now I'm really starting to understand why you why, what you what you're probably like when you're playing spades. Oh, it's bad. No, you're it's probably bad. terrible. I would probably you know hate you I, if you and I met over like a spades table. I would probably be oh, like, yo, fuck blood. this guy. You would hate my guy. I've been threatened before. <laughs> Wait, really? And, and the, the best part about that is they right, don't even know that you're a fighter either, right? <laughs> they have no idea. So they're like, "Yo, when I, if I if I ever catch you, I'm knocking you out." And then it just makes it that much worse. Oh, you can't knock nobody out. Let me see your hands. Me, <laughs> fucking virgin hands. You ain't never punched nobody in your life. Shut up. Now, I'm also curious, real quick. What is your uh? Like of those um, uncomfortable conversations that you know make you interest you though, um, other than maybe like the religion, the politics, is there another subject that like you just find fascinating that you love to debate people on? Um, I mean, shoot, all of them. I, I, I <laughs> all of them, man. Like, uh, I don't. Oh, uh, gender roles between men and women. I love that type of shit, too. (laughs) The amount of (laughs) arguments that I get into with that type of shit is insane. Because, all right, you're a man, right? So sit up there now, and you'll see women get these huge fake boobs and these huge fake asses and all this type of stuff. And they're like, well, that's what men like, so that's what we're going to do. Whoever said that? Men don't say that. And it's like, yo, just because a man would have sex with you because you look a certain kind of way, does that mean that he likes you mm. or love you or would look at you like a, a mate for long term? Like, you got to read between the lines. Like, <laughs> Wow. Have, have you had you know, that discussion with a woman? Several. And what, what are, their, what are their, their responses? I'm curious. <laughs> at first, they're initially like, I, you don't know what you're talking about. But then I'm like, all right. Right. I don't know if I can even say half this shit. <laughs> next this next time I see you in person, we could have more of this conversation. But yeah, tell me what you can on. That won't get you in too much trouble. <laughs> but like, for example, right? This may sound funny or weird at first. I'm not sure which one. But I'm like, most men masturbate, right? Right. But you don't see men walking around looking at other men's hands like, yo, you got some nice hands. What are you doing? Like? <laughs> but they can still have an orgasm when they masturbate, right? So do they like masculine hands or is just just something to be done in that moment because they feel a little hot and bothered? Uh-huh. 
So it's the same principle <laughs> if you carry it over. Like if, if you sit up there and you got $100,000 worth of plastic surgery done to you and I come up to you and I'm like, all right, does that mean that I automatically I'm attracted to that? Or is it just something because I'm hot and bothered at the time? If you look at it, the majority of those women, you know, don't get married or don't stay married. And if that's your goal as a woman to get married, then trying to do it off of your physical is not entirely it. There's more mm. to it than just that. That's interesting. I would, I would pay, I would pay, I would pay pay per view dollars to see you sit down and discuss this with women because I think it's interesting. I think it's very interesting, and I and I love like, I think that you're. I think what's great is that first of all that like these conversations arise because whatever side people agree on or disagree with whatever you're saying. Um, that's up to them. But I think that like it's fascinating because you have obviously you have great intentions. So it's like at that point when you know someone has good intentions, like then it just becomes a an, an interesting conversation. Yeah. But they get pissed, boy. <laughs> Women get pissed. <laughs> Yo, I don't like the feminism. Feminists, they ooh, <laughs> I get in with them. Oh, they uh, One of my best friends tells me I need to stop arguing with people online. I try my best, but I can't help. I can't help. Where where are you arguing with them online? Is it in the in the Instagram comment section? Typically in their DMs, man, because I don't want people. <laughs> I don't want people exposing me like, yo, look what Dre said. I'm but is it is it is it because you always gotta? Because is it the competitor in you? You like I always gotta one up you. I gotta win this. Or you just like st- you like that. starting fights? You like just being like a an instigator. Partly that and partly like, yo, some of that shit don't make no sense. Like, like you really, like, in my mind, I'm like, do they really truly believe this? So then I start asking questions to see, and then it's like, sure, they really do believe that. Like, if I could just walk out with a double H breast, I can get a man that's going to marry me. Like, no, that doesn't work that way. You need more than that. You can get a man to have sex with you, mm. but that's not what you're looking for. Mm. You know what? You know what I think I'm gonna do? I'm gonna bring in next time I see you, we're gonna I'm gonna bring in um a woman friend of mine. I have to think about which one. I'm gonna have you and we're gonna I wanna I just wanna see the debate. I just want because oh, I think that you debating is is definitely a, a sight to see. Oh man, it's, it'd be bad. It'd be bad. <laughs> you ever you gotten know? you ever gotten smacked for one of your opinions um like that? <laughs> no, I never got smacked, but I'm I'm <laughs> I'll get cussed at and call all type of names or whatever. But the thing about it is, like, I care so little about, like, shit. Like, there's, it, you would have to really, like, work, work to offend me. Right. Because if you don't touch on something that I actually care about, and it really doesn't matter to me, I don't, I would care less. You can call me whatever you want to call, say whatever you, you know. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. But sometimes people get me upset. Sometimes. <laughs> oh, really? I'm, sh- I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I, like I'm really close with Randy Brown. Right. Like really, really, we used to live together and everything. Oh wow, he Super just had cool. he just had a fantastic performance. Fantastic. You know what I mean? He looked great. But like one time, he had just uh, I think when he lost to Nico Price, mm-hmm. um, you know, fans was talking shit to me because I was say I posted up, you know, a picture of him before the fight or whatever, and one of the fans was talking shit to me. And it was like, oh, he sucks and da da da. It's like, regardless of what you think as a fan, you may actually think certain people suck in the in the UFC or whatever. But understand that they have to have some type of credibility before they can even make it into the UFC. You know what I mean? So to say that somebody sucks, for example, I remember um, uh, Ben Askren. Yeah. Oh, he's terrible. He sucks. You may not enjoy his style of fighting, but to say that he sucks, that's a different ball because if he was in front of you and he decides he's going to beat you up, once Ben Ashton gets on top of you, what are you going to do? If in a street fight, you meet him in the alley, you guys have no weapons or anything like that. He's a multiple time national champ. Yep. Um, wrestled on the Olympic team, I think, uh, or some, some sort like his record and accolades are off the charts. Yep. And he's won titles in multiple promotions. Ben Askren takes you down and gets on top of you. You're not going anywhere. For sure. What are you going to do? And it doesn't matter how big or small you are. That's just the nature of, you know what I mean? So unless you have the skill set to defend it, you're in trouble. So for you to sit up there and be like, oh, he sucks or he's terrible, like, be careful. Yeah. (laughs) Well, 
to wrap things up, um, obviously, big fight on Sunday. We're going to get this episode out before so that people can listen to it and then tune in on Sunday as well. Um, where do you, I mean, you ever, I don't know if you think, like, five, eight, ten, eight years down the line, I mean, is there a goal for you? Um, you know, where where do you hope to, to be? I'm not even just talking just fighting, but, like, life in general. I mean, what do you, where do you hope you're at when you're 38 or, or 40? I just, I want to have a couple different properties. Um, you know, definitely have some in the, in the Caribbean as well. So I could just go over there. I don't ever want to see snow again. That's, that's without a doubt. Don't ever want to see snow again. Well, at least you're in so, a good state um, for that now. Oh yeah. So, you know, when it does get a little chilly out of like, up, oh, it's my time to go. <laughs> you know but um you know definitely be financially comfortable mm -hmm. um to where you know me and my family we're we're, all, we're good to go no worries have a couple different properties so we can pull in revenue and stuff like that from there and just you know enjoy uh the second half of my life you know after having working so hard in the first part of my life fighting wise where where do you hope your career is at in five seven years hopefully I'm not still competing in seven years. If I'm still competing in seven years, I mean, I did something wrong. Man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do hope um, that I win another title or two. And, um, you know, I really cement myself as one of the best featherweights to, to do it. And, um, you know, uh, you know, really, really make this next part of my career, the, the better part mm -hmm. of my career. You know what I mean? do that so if i can make all that stuff happen i'm confident that i will you know then it'd be good it'd be a good life beautiful well uh well you know i'm rooting for you and uh you know i uh, i'm excited to to see first of all your your fight on sunday um i wish i could be there unfortunately i can't but i will say that uh on i want to come to at least the next one um and uh and obviously you know if you're ever in brooklyn i mean i'm sure i'll see you some sometime soon um but uh an absolute pleasure to to have you on my show i appreciate you taking the time and uh man i'm excited for you and uh you know let's go let's go Thank not you. let's go knock a man unconscious bull era man remember that the bull, bull era. the bull era beautiful yes sir um andre thank you so much and uh i'll talk to you soon my brother all right have a good day peace